And welcome into Ask Dog Central on Thursday evening, July 14th. I am Graham Coffey. I am joined by my esteemed co-host in the beautiful hat, Mr. John Smith. You might know him as John Tweet Sports on Twitter.com. John, we got lots of good uh, subscriber and listener questions this evening. I think you got some queued up for us. So without any further ado, let's, let's jump into it. What you got? All right, we're gonna start. Uh, we're gonna start with um, a question from one of our subscribers in the forum, um, and that is, "Which team? What team is in the East is closest to the dogs slash challenging Georgia for the East Division title? So, which which team do we see Graham being the closest as things stand right now?" Are you interpreting this question as for this season or like over, you know, the next few years? You know, why don't we answer both? I I interpreted it as this season, but I don't think anyone realistically thinks that uh, another team is going to challenge Georgia for the East this season. At least I think they shouldn't think that. Um, But I think we should, we could probably answer both. Yeah. I mean, I think for, for this season, uh, I think Tennessee and Kentucky are going to fight it out for that second spot. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think Mm -hmm. that the way Tennessee is built and how they play stresses Mm -hmm. what Georgia does on defense a little bit more. I think Kentucky uh, is kind of built like UGA from a scheme standpoint uh, and and as a line of scrimmage sort of football team. And it's just, there's just not many teams that are going to really any right now, I think in college football that are, that are going to beat Georgia playing Georgia's game. Um, Yeah. I said like a month ago, I think it was on a pod that we were doing together. Maybe the first one we ever did together. We were talking about Tennessee signing Nico Iamalieva, the five-star quarterback out of uh, California. And I said at that time, if Tennessee, you know, what's wrong with Tennessee's offense is not lack of quarterback talent. Like, but if that football program starts signing studs on the line of scrimmage, then like, it'll, it'll perk my attention a little bit. And looking at what they've done recruiting lately, I feel like that's starting to happen. They're bringing in some good offensive linemen, some good edge rushers. So I think that's the answer for, you know, the kind of the next two to three year period, but I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, we, we, I think we've talked about this um, a little bit as well. And for me, it, it, it really comes down to, Line of scrimmage play really comes down to can you recruit in the trenches, um, and uh, and I think um, Tennessee is is set up best to get skill players, um, and if they can figure out the trenches, I think the, they'll they'll be the closest. I'll also say this: we've said this about Tennessee how many times now with how many coaches? Um, somebody, I mean, some, someone is going to figure it out at Tennessee at some point, maybe. Uh, but we've said this, you know, probably. Uh, I don't think we ever said it with Derek Dooley, but but we did. Like, <laughs> some of us, some of us said it with Butch Jones of like, hey, the dude d- did a hell of a job at Cincinnati, and um, and he got some good players to come, and uh, and you know, and just couldn't. Again, it just could, the the play in the trenches, and and then I think he started losing the the skill players um, as well after that. But yeah, I, I my, my money would be on Tennessee. I. Florida is a total wild card. Billy Napier could Billy Napier could build a great program at Florida. He could be Ron Zook. Um, who who knows um, what Napier is going to be? 
Yeah, I, I agree with you 100 there, and I think that uh, you know, I don't know Tennessee. I agree. Like with with Pruitt, they were pretty solid on the line of scrimmage, and then mm-hmm. they didn't have some of those other pieces elsewhere. Yeah. Um, and now it's kind of the reverse. But uh, yeah, I mean NIL is interesting, man, because like Josh Heupel by no means had a reputation as a recruiter when he took that job, but uh, no, some things are happening. I think what's going to be interesting is there has been like. And I want to be clear, this is strictly message board rumors. I don't know anything, but there has been some some conversation lately that uh, Nico, the five-star quarterback, might not be able to play his senior year in California. Don't know if that has anything to do with NIL. I don't think it should. I think it's legal for high schoolers out there. But um, yeah. I don't know. All this NIL stuff, it's just a question of how sustainable is it. If that's your plan in recruiting – then you may put together one or two really good classes like we saw Texas A&M do last year. But is that going to work for the long haul? Is that a good way to build team chemistry that I'm skeptical of? Yeah, locker room chemistry. NIL, the challenges that it brings is going to be locker room chemistry and also um, ROI. I mean, at some point, it doesn't doesn't matter. Every – every – person that i know that it has uh mass amounts of wealth that are putting it places want some kind of roi and generally in this case it's going to be wins right and right. i think if you're if you're putting that kind of money behind nil i don't think it's winning i don't think it's moving to second place in the sec east i think it is can you win the division can you compete for the sec title can you make a college football playoff um, because that's the wild card for me with NIL. Um, besides what it creates in the locker room, at some point, uh, the coach runs out of time because the folks giving the money say, Hey, where's our return? Um, and so it's going to be a, a long slog for me. I think Tennessee has the best chance because of, of the way they're using NIL, the way they're recruiting, um, and I and I think Josh Heupel is a good offensive coach. I think he can he can put points on the board. Um, and uh, we'll we'll see we'll see uh, what unfolds there. All right, let's move on um, to the next question that we have from our forum. Um, this is a question you know related to uh, it's I think it's a two part question. One related to what's been happening in recruiting, and one just kind of in offensive line in general. Um, but I'll, I'll flip the question here for those of you watching on the screen. Any reason that it seems like we're struggling to recruit on the offensive line right now? So first of all, I would say, you know, let, let's talk about is that true or not? Um, and two, what is Stacey Searle's philosophy? Uh, inquiring minds need to know. Um, these are these are two questions that we pulled together from the forum and one from our guy, uh, Lamar Lovelace uh, from one of the Okay. Yeah. Yeah, he uh, he asked about Searle's philosophy. He he's the inquiring mind that needs to know. But from the <laughs> forum was it was the any reason that it seems like we're struggling to recruit on the offensive line right now? So yeah, I mean, I, I think let's start with the recruiting part. Um, look at Georgia's offensive line roster right now. Um, you know they they've got probably the best like set of returning offensive linemen in the sec and Mm -hmm. some of those guys you know have another year or two to play so i it makes sense why uh a samson okalula like that kind of 
guy maybe doesn't want to come in and recruit mm-hmm. like play at Georgia right now when when Amarius Mims is one of the I think five highest rated offensive line recruits ever and hasn't been able to get on the field throughout his mm-hmm. first two seasons, right? So it's like I, I think that uh or I guess first season maybe. Um but yeah, I, yeah, I, I think that that's part of it. Uh just the the talent that's already there. Uh I don't like Searles came in from UNC really like right in the middle of this 2023 cycle, right? Like he didn't really have the chance to develop some of those relationships. I think they were recruiting some different guys at UNC than the, maybe the caliber of offensive linemen that Georgia normally recruits. So I I'm saving judgment till 2024, but uh, I do think we're going to see Kelton Smith commit to Georgia here in the near future. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think, when that happens, maybe that will ease some minds a little bit because you're talking mm-hmm. about a, a really solid four-star inside offensive lineman. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, th- I, I I would agree with that. I think um, I'm reserving judgment as well. I think, you know, the timing of him coming in um, and the relationships that he was building in North Carolina, totally, totally different ball game. Plus, um, I, I also think just in general um, – the level that you're competing at with recruits at Georgia that we're used to seeing those relationships are built two, three years ago, right? Like these are relationships that are built and cultivated. And so it is very difficult for a new guy to come in, especially in, um, in February, March, uh, timeframe and, and pick it up. So we'll reserve judgment. Um, in terms of his, his philosophy for recruiting, you know, I think we'll have to reserve judgment. I think, um, his philosophy for, uh, offensive line coaching is, um, is pretty standard for what Kirby smart is looking for. I would say there's a difference between philosophy and the ability to execute on that philosophy. And we're going to see, uh, pretty quickly, I think this year, um, where the offensive line is at under Searles. All right. Uh, yeah, let's move on. Um, we could talk about offensive line recruiting all day. Um, I love talking about the trenches, but we have I, other questions to get to. Just on the philosophy okay. piece, like yeah. I do think yeah. Stacy Searles historically likes to run a lot of power type schemes for mm-hmm. those uninitiated. That just means uh, you're going to see lots of pulling – pulling offensive linemen moving to one side or the other of mm-hmm. the, uh, of the, the formation to try and create a numbers advantage. And mm-hmm. uh, I think that meshes very well with what Todd Mockin wants to do philosophically. I'm not sure that Todd Mockin and Matt Luke always uh, meshed super well philosophically. So I, I think that continuity could be a good thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Believe it or not, I feel like, you know, Stacey Searles is interesting. He's um, he, he's definitely uh, an old school coach, but has a new, in my opinion, has uh, a new school mind when it comes to, to scheme much more than where Matt Luke was probably a little bit more. I don't want, I'm not knocking Stacey Searles when I say this, but Matt Luke is probably a little bit more relatable um, for you know, players that he was recruiting and the, and had a little bit more juice maybe. Um, yeah. He was a former SEC head coach. Yeah. Yeah. And he, but he had a, but he had a, a more, 
of a, an old school, an older school philosophy when it came to scheme, right? Um, and so that's also why I think you saw, which it worked out in Georgia's favor in the national championship, but I also think that's why you saw, you know, uh, the having to move some guys around at times as well, too, because the scheme was kind of when the one versus one and then you double team some places, but you weren't pulling guys and creating a lot of these um, – these these opportunities for offensive linemen that maybe just gel well together. You were truly putting some guys on an island, and if they were getting beat, you, you just kind of had to swap them out. So, yeah. um, all right. Um, this is from our forum. Um, one of our subscribers says, "Do we see Carson Beck get meaningful playing time if he remains the number two quarterback versus just hand, handing the ball off in the late uh, late in the fourth quarter?" That's an interesting question. Yeah, I know, you know, one thing that I feel like there's a uh, just considering what we're actually talking about, there's a surprising amount of vitriol out there uh, Mm -hmm. when it comes to the kind of like late game philosophies of the Georgia Mm -hmm. offense. Like I I see people get really angry about the fact that uh, backups come in and aren't throwing the ball over all over the yard when Georgia's up 40 or 50, which I understand the experience kind of like aspect of it, but it's also like, you know, there's also kind of a, a respect for the opponent sort of element to some of this, I guess. But uh, I, I think so. I think that Beck right now is the, you know, assuming that room stays the same, like he's the guy that's going to start in 2023. And so uh, it makes sense to get him some reps. I think that especially just looking at Georgia's schedule uh, season, I mean, you know, you've got Oregon week one, that should be a, you know, a a good game, but Samford, Mm -hmm. lots of opportunities for reps at South Carolina. We'll see Kent state, lots of opportunities for reps, you know, Missouri, Vanderbilt, uh, Georgia Tech, like lots there's, of there's gonna be probably <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's gonna be some chances. So I think we'll see him throw yeah. it around a little bit. I also think that uh, you know, when he showed up at Georgia, he was a little bit of a, a turnover prone guy just as a young quarterback. Mm-hmm. And we saw him do a really good on G, good job on G Day, I think, not forcing mm-hmm. the ball into any bad situations. Um mm-hmm. and so if if that trend continues through fall camp, then I think he will probably have a little bit longer leash to and a, and a little bit more, you know, of the playbook open to him. Well, I, so I'll, I'll take another side of it. Um, I think you have to give him those reps because you don't have a Stetson Bennett. You're, you're not it, from everything that I have heard. Georgia is not three deep at the quarterback position as things currently stand right now. And so in that scenario, I think you have to put the guy in and you have to, you can't put him in and just garbage time, vanilla reps. Um, if you're going to put him in, even in garbage time, I think you have to open the playbook up a little bit for him um, because if Stetson Bennett, you know, God forbid he gets injured or isn't playing well or whatever, um, but maybe not, isn't playing well. If he gets injured, but let's say, God forbid, something happens, then you truly are in a situation where you know you're you're down to maybe one one and a half uh, QBs deep. So I think that that's going to be a different situation than last year, where you had JT Daniels, you had Carson Beck, and then you had you know kind of at the start of the season, you kind of had Stetson as your your third option. I 
it would make me a little bit nervous if we're going into the third option the way that things currently stand from from everything I've heard. I agree. All right. Uh, let's take a YouTube chat. Uh, this is our guy, Jeff. Uh, Jeff is a Dog Central up, member. Jeff? Thanks for being thanks for being a subscriber, Jeff. Um, Graham, are you still feeling good about Justice Haynes um, and July 17th? Um, what a weekend this could be with Troy Bowles announcing on Saturday. Uh, yeah, I, I, I still feel like Justice Haynes is uh, going to be a Georgia Bulldog. Uh, you know, we as a team at Dog Central uh, have, have heard that that could happen as soon as this weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I don't ever want to like you know, say something is definitively happening uh, mm-hmm. until it's announced that it's happening. But uh, I think I think Justice Haynes is going to be a Georgia Bulldog, whether that happens this weekend or not. Uh, I, I think that there's a very good chance it will happen this weekend, though. I feel good about it. Um, but, yep. you know, you know how these things are. All of a sudden, some asshole will be like, oh, this guy doesn't know anything. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, and then Troy, Troy Bowles, yeah. I mean, I, I like – that seems like that's the third linebacker that's coming in this class, which uh, as long as all that goes according to plan, which I expected to, you're talking about a pretty incredible uh, mm-hmm. linebacker class with him, CJ Allen, Raylan Wilson. Um, that's just a, a very like, especially when you look at what modern offenses want to do, uh, all those guys can run really well. Uh, they can they can move sideline to sideline and and I think that they have some good pass coverage ability. So uh, yeah, I, I think like that's this this next couple weeks to end July I think is uh, gonna ease a lot of the anxiety around the recruiting trail or you know perceptions of hey Miami got this guy or you know like I think all that stuff's gonna get settled here uh, before we get to fall yeah. camp. Yeah. And I would say, you know, um, I know there has been a lot there. There's been a lot of banter and chatter about um, Caleb Downs this week. And a lot of folks have have heard um, or maybe have the impression that maybe Caleb Downs and Justin Haynes, Justice Haynes are ending up package at the, deal. Yeah, package deal ending up at the same school. Um, that could very well happen. Right. Like they could totally <laughs> who knows um, when it comes to to the way that a lot of recruits think. Um, but I, you know, for me, um, I agree with you. I, I have a hard time seeing, um, I have a hard time seeing a package deal between those two. So I think even if tomorrow Caleb Downs comes out and says he's going somewhere or the, other than Georgia, um, I, I don't, I don't think that those two are as tightly connected as in terms of a package deal as some folks think. So, um cool all right uh let's grab another one from our dog central forum um (laughs) this was my favorite my favorite question of the week i'll just go ahead and say it has uga passed alabama as the best (laughs) team in college football and do you think the fourth quarter beatdown georgia gave alabama will linger into this season well, uh, <laughs> that's, that's a loaded right. question. So, I mean, Nick Saban's the GOAT, right? Uh, 100%. He's the best coach in college football. 
Um, I think that it's funny because there was a little conversation about this on Twitter today, actually. Mm -hmm. I think the way that Georgia finished that game is something that no one's going to forget soon on either of those teams. And that that could – the memory of that could push Alabama's team to work harder than they've ever worked this offseason. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, come and we don't know if the teams are going to play this year, but, you know, uh, it feels likely at this moment. But I, I think Georgia, I'll tell you what, I'll say it this way Georgia has passed Alabama in the sense of uh, they are the most physical team in college football. Alabama Correct. used to be the most physical football. They they used to push you around and beat you up. And, and really, that's how Georgia won that game in Indianapolis by just sledgehammering Alabama throughout the you know last kind of eight, nine minutes of the fourth. Running Zamir White over and over again and saying, we know that we're about to do this. You know we're about to do this. And you can't stop it. And Alabama couldn't stop it. Correct. Um, Correct. So I, I think like there is a – there's something that happens when that when that kind of when a, when a win happens that way and a game is finished that way, uh, it definitely mm-hmm. sticks in everyone's minds. Um, and, and I think that like the Bama bug, the Bama curse has definitely been shrugged off, uh, especially mm-hmm. with how that finished. I think like if Georgia had come out in that game and and blown Alabama out, I actually think that like that might not give them the same amount of confidence that finishing in the fourth quarter against the team that always beat you yeah. in the fourth quarter did. Uh, but I don't know if it lingers into the season or not. You know, it's like, I, I think there's too many uh, variables, but I, I think that everyone talks about Alabama, what they do offensively and how uh, dynamic they are. And I hear a lot of Georgia fans talk about, I want a 1,400-yard receiver and that type of stuff. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, a lot of those changes that Alabama made to their offense has actually made them more susceptible to getting beat. Uh, there's, there's more variables. So Correct. I think be careful what you wish for if you're a Georgia fan. Yeah, yeah. Well, well we've seen it. Um, listen, I – there are all kinds of reasons why people have injuries, right? Um, we saw George Pickens um, blow out an ACL and miss the season last year, but there has been a propensity of, you know, Alabama wide receiver injuries going back. Jalen Waddle had a season ending injury. Um, but there, there has been these these situations, and what we've seen a lot of times um, in you know in in twenty twenty you had. Devontae Smith and no one was stopping Mac Jones and what Alabama was doing. But I do think it is challenging when you have so much of your production built up into three or four super dynamic skill players. Um, I will answer this question succinctly. Has UGA passed Alabama as the best team in college football? Uh, My answer is no. Um, I think if you go back and you look at Clemson is a good example, right? Trevor Lawrence, 2018, um, <laughs> came out and beat 44 to 16, beat the brakes off of Alabama in the national championship game. Um, I actually somehow ended up seeing that game in person in Santa Clara. And I can tell oh. you, like, it was an absolute 
the Alabama fans in the in in the crowd were just stunned. It was an absolute just beatdown. Um and uh and then we saw Clemson, you know, rattle off another 14 games and then Joe Burrow and LSU um just dismantled them in the national championship game. And so I think as UGA passed Alabama as the best team in college football, I think Georgia was the best team in college football last season. I think as a program, you have to continue to to build. And I also think it's just not as simple as saying, have you passed a team as the best team? Because I think Georgia's more physical. I think Georgia has more depth in certain areas. But I also think Alabama has a better quarterback. I think there's, you know, like there you can piece all this together. And so when you're talking about best team collectively, I just think it's a hard right. question to answer. I think, um, it, it, you know, uh, until Georgia can uh, can prove it again, it's it's hard to say that they've passed um, Nick Saban and company. All right. Um, let's see. We have a question on YouTube. Um, this is a good one. This one has, has some meat to it. How concerned are you guys by our relative lack of senior leadership? We have a handful of guys like Nolan Smith, but not nearly as many as last year or 2017. Uh, not coincidentally, those were Kirby's two best teams. Yeah, I, I think everything that I heard out of spring practice is that like the the guys that are there, like Nolan Smith and Robert Beal and Christopher Smith, um, have really tried to to carry that torch. I think what happened last year was Georgia's uh, group of seniors were so dynamic, so powerful that that they made an impression on that culture of the program that's that's going to to stay for a long time. And it's it's kind of the the standard, like the the Patriot way, right? Like that kind of idea. Uh, you know, it, it, I think there is some of that that's happened, but there's definitely you know there's not as much experience. There's not as many guys who have just been through the wars. Uh, you know, when, when something bad happens or a, a big play gets given up or, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're in a tight game that can just kind of look at, look around and say, Hey, you know, we've done this before. It's fine. Everybody settle down. So I think that will be interesting, especially in week one against Oregon, depending on how that mm-hmm. game plays out. But um, I, I think that there's a, a strong group there from everything I've been told that, you know, is really eager to, kind of prove like, yeah, we lost 15 guys to the NFL and, you know, mm-hmm. uh, this defense was phenomenal, but like we're still here and now it's our turn, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree. I think um, the challenge with leadership is that you, with, with say, with having concern about lack of senior leadership, for example, in college football is that you don't know, uh, what's going on in these locker rooms and you don't know, you know, you, you, but you do know that you have players who have been around Nicobe Dean and Quay Walker and Jordan Davis and some of the, and Devonte Wyatt, right? Like you have guys who've spent a lot of time with them the last couple yeah. of years. And so um, you don't really know how that translates to the field until, uh, until you see them out there. But, um, but I think, Personally, I think I'm not concerned about this because I think the um, experience on the Georgia sidelines from a coaching perspective is probably the best it's ever been in terms of having leadership 
on the sidelines and coaches who know the importance of leadership on the field. When you look at guys like Will Muschamp and you look at obviously Kirby Smart and you look at, you know, um, Brian McClendon and you look at Trey Scott, like you, you have a group of coaches, um, Glenn Schumann, who they know the importance of this. And so um, Kirby was talking about it, you know, at spring in, in spring, he was saying uh, he was talking about challenging, Stetson Bennett's leadership, for example. Um, I think these guys are going to be plenty challenged with their leadership. And I think you have enough of them that are going to be on the field that were on the field for that national championship game. Um, They were on the field that had to, you know, had to bow their, their backs and, um, and win a game um, of that magnitude that I think you're going to, I think you're going to be fine. Um, You also have, you know, I think you have underrated leaders that no one talks about like, in my mind, like a Chris Smith, um, you know, like a Robert Beal, like you have guys who um, have just have, have spent a lot of time going to war at Georgia. So um, it's a great question. Uh, I'm not concerned. All right. We got an over under, you want to do an over under always. All right. (laughs) Brock Bauer, Brock Bowers over unders a thousand total yards. Under. You going over or are you going under? Okay. I'm going under. I'm going under, and I just think it's because uh, there is a deeper group this year. I mean, save for Georgia having a, a similar kind of crazy, unlucky rash of injuries at, at the receiver and tight end position as they did last season, uh, I just think that there's going to be – Guys like Gilbert, uh, mm-hmm. hopefully Washington being healthy. Uh, you know, uh, Blaylock is back. Kyrus Jackson is healthy. Lab McConkey is quietly a beast. Uh, mm-hmm. There's just a lot of targets. And so I, I think that this offense will, you know, Brock Bowers might be a better player than he was last year. I just think that yeah. the the ball is probably going to get spread around a little bit more, but I, I could be totally wrong, man. I mean, there, there is the, the truth is that there really isn't anything in modern football that mm-hmm. is as much of a matchup problem as a dynamic tight end. And and we know that Todd Mocken likes to take advantage of matchups. So, yeah. So Brody, Brody, uh, blue Brody did clarify this question in the YouTube chat. Oh, okay. Uh, said this, that in, this includes rush and reception receiving yards. <laughs> so that's, All that's right. a little wild card. I'll, um, I'll go under on the yards and over on um, the uh, 12 and a half touchdowns. touchdowns. Okay. I don't think he, I don't think he's fifth place in the Heisman. Um, okay. But I do think, I think that maybe before, before he leaves Georgia, I think he plays his top 10 in Heisman voting. There you go. Yeah, he has another year. I mean, Brock Bowers, we have right. two more years of Brock Bowers. <laughs> he is not pretty eligible nice. for the draft after this year, which is pretty nuts. Yeah, I'm going to take the under on 1,000 total yards. I'll take the over on uh, 12 and a half uh, total touchdowns, um, and I will take uh, the over on the Heisman as well, too. I don't, I don't, um, I don't see him placing um, that high in the Heisman voting. Because I think, to your point, I mean, I think um, Eric Gilbert is – going to be a big weapon i think darnell washington is going to be used more than people um are expecting um and then you also have when you're talking about uh rushing yards 
you know, those sweeps that you were running with Brock Bowers last year, you, I think you're going to see a lot of that with, with guys like Lab McConkey this year um, as well. So I think that there's enough. Yeah. Bad lad. There's enough uh, spreading the ball around. Um, Okay. Um, One more question from uh, our dog central forums. Um, This question says, Oh, this one's a, this one's a loaded one, Graham. Um, Oh God. So as an analyst, what in the world happened in the SEC championship uh, last season? Bama struggles with pressure, and we brought more pressure than anyone except for one game. Was it an SEC conspiracy to get two teams in? (laughs) No, it was not a conspiracy. I think it was a measured uh, decision by the Georgia coaching staff that no one knows that, that Alabama gets the benefit of the doubt more than any team in sports like Kirby Smart does. Mm-hmm. He spent many, many years there. And I think he Correct. knew that even if Georgia came out and beat Alabama by 10, especially after uh, Oklahoma State had lost to Baylor earlier that day in that Big 12 championship game, that mm-hmm. everyone just said, well, hell, Alabama played Georgia better than anyone else has all year. Let's put them in the playoff, right? Mm-hmm. And so – you were talking about a situation where uh, Alabama had to win that game, or at least they thought they had to win that game or their season was over and Georgia didn't. And I think at the end of the day, Georgia ran a totally different defense than we saw them run all year. I went back and did the film study of that game. Uh, Every third down in that game where Georgia brought more than four rushers, they got off the field. It, but they just they didn't do they it. Did, they didn't do very it. Much. They didn't do it very much. They didn't do it very much. It, yeah. And so I, I think with all of that, um, you're you're talking about a situation where you know, like we saw Georgia running uh, a bunch of like three man fronts, drop eight type stuff. Uh, and what we knew about Alabama is that Bryce Young spent more time in the pocket than than almost any quarterback in college football in 2021, mm-hmm. and that their offensive line had struggled. Now they, they made some great substitutions on the offensive line that, that, that really helped them out. But at the end of the day, I think that uh, Georgia kind of held back on their game plan. No one's ever going to admit to that. And by no means am I saying anyone tried to like not win the game, but I think that logically speaking, uh, a, if you look over college football history, that when two teams play twice in a season, the, the team that that loses the first one almost always wins the second one, mm-hmm. uh, unless unless they're Oregon and they're playing Utah. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it was a calculated move, uh, and I think it worked out perfectly. And you know, all the stuff that came out of that game, Jordan Davis is fat and out of shape. Bryce Young's little the video of Bryce Young on the sideline talking to his receiver yep. saying they ain't shit. All of that played perfectly into Georgia's hands psychologically for Indianapolis and. Would you rather have an SEC championship or a national championship? We saw Georgia win an SEC championship in 2017 while Alabama sit at, sat at home. But they, Graham, still I was about, about second and 26. I was about to say, you, would you rather have an SEC championship or a national championship is exactly the line that Alabama used in 2017. Um, right. And so, uh, yeah, I, yeah, I'm with you. I, I think the I think the biggest um, the biggest thing that was overshadowed in in the George Alabama SC Championship game is I 
you know, Georgia had some guys that were not 100% healthy, Chris Smith being one of them on the defense. And I think yeah. um, there was an opportunity where um, I think if that second quarter goes a little bit different, I think if that second quarter, if Alabama does not score 24, if they score 10 17, or 17, 14. yeah, then maybe that game is different. But I, but I think there was, um, I don't say I won't say concern, but I, but I, there did this seem to be concerned with with um, health in the secondary, where there were some things where it was just like, all right, <laughs> we're running some very safe coverages, yeah. and if we get beat, we get beat, but um, but we're not gonna we're not gonna bring guys off the corner and um, potentially end up with injuries um, trying to trying to apply pressure. Um, I so, yeah, I also think you know there uh, two things. I, there was always some whispers and kind of rumors from inside the program mm -hmm. that, that some guys on the defensive line, uh, you know, were, were dealing with a, a bug that week. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's true or not. I just know they looked a hell of a lot different when they showed up for the orange bowl than they did in Atlanta and they yep. looked very different than they had all year in Atlanta. Um, yep. I also do think there hit there was a point that happened in that game where, you know, I'm not saying anybody overrode anything, but like that kind of that play call that Todd Mockin mm -hmm. might have been saving mm -hmm. for the right moment, you know, maybe maybe everybody's like, eh, let's just hold on to that one. Let's not put that yeah. on tape right now, you know, like yeah. like the uh, halfback patch pass to to AD Mitchell or lining Brock Bowers up at left tackle and put yep. him on an RPO flat, like yeah. some of that stuff. Well, that well, well, what you saw in the second half was you saw a lot of screen game. To Lab McConkey and 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 uh, Brock Bowers, you saw Brock Bowers, you know, run through five Alabama yeah. defenders and score a touchdown. But that was not that was a very that that was a very pedestrian play call. Um, and so, uh, you know, well, and my gut tells me forty six yeah. times in that game, I think, in the second half, yeah. or not in the second half, but all. I mean that that was yeah. like Stetson Bennett threw the ball like a third more in that game than he did in any other game last year. Exactly. Yeah. All right, and you know, my gut tells me that it probably was a conspiracy to get two SEC teams in because that sounds exactly <laughs> like something Greg Sankey would dial up. So, um, <laughs> better not. You better not. You'll be sleeping with the fish if you. We'll put the, say that out loud. Greg, Greg Sankey, the the Godfather of college football, um, college athletics in general. All right, uh, another super conference. Exactly. Question from Dylan in the in the YouTube chat. Um, what's the true feeling feeling on Caleb Downs? What's 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 your gut telling you, Graham? Uh, man, I, I think you know we saw the uh, the crystal ball go out yesterday. The for Fong Alabama. bomb, the Fong bomb. Who we have <laughs> I, nothing but respect for. A lot of Will respect Fong. for Steve Wolfton. Yeah, he's right way more than he's wrong. Um, mm -hmm. I think that uh, I don't know. I don't know that. I don't know who the decision maker is in that process. I don't know if it's mm -hmm. mom or it's dad or it's Caleb. Or it's Caleb. I'm yeah. sure you know. I'm sure it's a combination of the two. But I don't, I don't know. You know, who really uh, has that that kind of big influence or push at the end? Mm -hmm. But I, I think at the end of the day, like, I just I don't know that. I'm trying to say the right thing here, not get myself in trouble. Um, 
I, I don't know that the family has always felt like George is the best place for him. Correct. And, you know, and that's, and that's, that is what it is. I think that, you know, there's a lot of football history in that family. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the generation before Caleb playing in the NFL, his brother is obviously mm-hmm. an incredible wide receiver at, at North Carolina. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's a lot of uh, really good athletes that have been in that family. And, you know, when there's that much history, it's like, I don't know, you know, maybe, maybe there's a, just a, a riff there or whatever, you know, maybe there's mm-hmm. a something culturally that really stands out to them about another school. And, you know, I, I think like at the end of the day, if you were a defensive back and you have the opportunity to go play for Will Muschamp and Kirby Smart, like, I think you can trust you're going to be developed really well. Uh, but yeah. I do think a kid like Downs could – he could go play at Acker and he's going to be a first-round pick probably. Um, so I, I think that at the end of the day, like, I don't know that recruitment's over. You know what I mean? I, I think that, like, there may be yeah. uh, a situation there where mom feels one way about certain schools, dad feels another way about mm-hmm. certain schools, and depending on – who the source is talking to and which parents yeah. talking to who that, but mm-hmm. if I, if you put a gun to my head right now, I'd say he's going to Alabama. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I would too. Um, I, you know, at the end of the day, I, all your points are valid. I, um, I don't think the football development coaching, any of that stuff would be, is even at play here in terms of where he ends up. Right. Like I think, um, his dad is a coach. He has a history of, of, you know, brothers who are great athletes and, and NFL, his dad played in the NFL, et cetera. Um, I think, um, the schools that he's down to, he can get developed at, I think it's going to come down to, you know, exactly what you said. Mm-hmm. It's, it's who's making the decision. What are the, the other factors at play? Um, but I'll say this, if he commits this summer, if he commits, you know, um, in the next couple of weeks, um, it is not Georgia. Georgia is not going to stop recruiting Caleb Downs. Like I don't. No. This isn't. This one isn't over until until it's over. Um, I think. Um, I think Will Muschamp and Kirby Smart are really, really going to keep pushing because they've been. Um, Kirby has been recruiting this kid for a long time, and um, and I think it's really you know at the end of the day it's going to come down to, um, mom, dad, or Caleb who's making the decision and. Um, and we'll we'll find out soon enough. Um, yeah, I mean, what if what if Saban says at the end of the season, hey, next year's gonna be my last one? You know, I, I don't yep. know, like any of that could happen. Exactly. Um, and I also think you, you you also don't know who is gonna end up in which class as well. So you could have a situation where you know maybe there's an opportunity. For, maybe he does want to come play with somebody that ends up at you know committing to Georgia that's not committed yet, or maybe, maybe. somebody commits to Alabama that he you know doesn't he doesn't want to play, play with. with. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So any, all kinds of things can happen. Um, you know, so I, I wouldn't I wouldn't stress about um, for these high profile players. I wouldn't stress about summer verbal commitments. Um, especially in the age of the transfer portal as well. Like at the end of the day, um, I think Georgia, I think there are going to be some kids that Georgia quote unquote missed on that are going to end up back at Georgia through a transfer portal situation um, over the next couple of years as well too. Um, All right. Uh, 
Yeah, Arik Gilbert is a, is a great example. Um, okay, we we had one question about um, this kid Harbor out of DC. He's the number one, uh, according to most sites, he's the number one rated athlete. He's an edge guy, um, and um, the question is where do where do we think UGA sits with him? Um, feel like I haven't heard much about his recruitment. Um, for me, I, I'll just start real quick. I don't think I think Georgia has is recruiting him like you would recruit a number one uh, ranked player um, in the country. Um, I don't I don't see the interest in Georgia from him that I've seen from other players, which is why Georgia fans probably haven't heard as much about him. Um, but I also will say it's just a pretty quiet like recruitment in general. Um, this, this, this kid to be as rated as high as he is by some sites, um, has certainly been pretty quiet for a, for a 2023, um, class guy. Um, I know, you know, some sites have him leaning toward Maryland, Michigan. Um, I don't, I don't, I personally haven't dug into him enough to, to know where I would lean, but, um, I haven't seen, you know, any, anyone else in the space, um, really pushing him toward, toward Georgia. So. Yeah. Uh, I think, you know, he's was, uh, he was in his top seven that he put out in June. Um, yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, looking back at our website. So if you are a dog central subscriber, uh, yeah. you will know that you can go to the search bar in the top right yeah. and type in, a recruit's name and you can find and every yours. post, every update that was ever there. Absolutely. It's very convenient. It does not exist <laughs> in very many places on the internet, despite what Correct. you're um, Correct. So with Harbor, I, like uh, I, our guy, Jason, who is our recruiting expert, uh, who I, I always defer to on, on these things. And we always compare notes on these things. Um, he has, he, he said back up, you know, a, a, a few weeks ago that, that Harbor will visit and that's really all you can ask for. I think what we're looking at here probably with Harbor is a guy whose commitment timeline probably stretches more towards the end of the cycle. And so you're not hearing as much about him right now because you have a lot of big time blue chip prospects that are, that are making their decisions now in July and early August before they go and play their senior year of high school football. So that might be one you hear more about uh, as we get into the season and kind of some of these other dominoes fall. Um, mm. But, you know, I, I think if you can get a kid on campus, then then anything can happen from there. And I think Georgia will get them on campus. Uh, so we'll, we'll see what happens from there. Yeah. Yeah. Subscribe to uh, subscribe to doc central and we'll keep you updated. Um, especially Jason. 33, 18 for six months. That yeah. Is coming to a close. Do it. Very soon. Very soon. So. Yeah. Yeah. Jason, Jason couldn't join us tonight. Um, but, uh, but he will, he'll certainly keep everyone updated on the recruiting front. Um, okay. Uh, Toby, uh, in, in the YouTube chat says, uh, are we feeling good on the Troy, Troy Bowles decision? We, we covered that earlier in the conversation. Uh, Toby, the answer, short answer is yes. yes. Um, we are feeling good about that um we actually uh put a dog central staff uh prediction uh for troy bowls out today and if you go to dogcentral.com and news and notes you can actually see a video uh player evaluation 
um, on Troy Balls. Graham did a, a video um, where he bro- showed some highlights and broke down uh, Troy's game. So go check that out. That's actually uh, that's actually free at the moment. So you can check that out over the next couple of days before it moves behind the paywall. Well, so All we right. found out that we actually put a <laughs> we actually did a prediction for him like a few weeks ago, but we forgot. Yeah. So beautiful. Uh, yeah. We did it twice. We, we felt twice. so good about it. We did it twice. Why not? All right. Um, this is, this one is, is great from Jason. Um, if you have any, if you're watching on YouTube and you have any other questions, throw it in the chat. Cause we're going to wrap it up here uh, in a couple minutes. Um, I was in Limerick, Ireland for the world championship of, and then you put in parentheses, old people, ultimate Frisbee. The, let me tell you the world championship of ultimate Frisbee is not old people. Jason, I have played Ultimate Frisbee, and that shit is hard. So, Ultimate um, Frisbee is awesome. It is so awesome, and it will wear you out. But he was—that's a cool thing to go to Ireland for, by the way. I was in Limerick, Ireland, for the World Championship of Ultimate Frisbee, and was rocking a G cap, but spotted a guy with an FTMF cap, and we both said, "Go dogs!" That is somewhere a beautiful thing. Somewhere a Josh Ancher got its wings. <laughs> absolutely all right uh the last question we can we'll end on this one uh is there any update on julian saying um uh do you want to provide any update on on the court the five-star quarterback in the class of 2024 um out of carlsbad california the one who actually deserves to be a five-star based on his tape <laughs> Never mind. Um, is there someone that it was there? Was there reports about someone not being a five star uh, the last couple of days? Uh, we won't. We don't have to go into that on this. On this, you guys episode. can Google it. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I, I did speak with Julian earlier this week. Uh, you know, I, I think Julian is a, a really uh, thoughtful and intentional guy, and uh, he's gonna make a decision when he's a hundred and ten percent sure that that's the decision and, and it's over with and, and it's sticking to it and he's going to shut his recruitment down. So um, he told me that he was originally planning on making his decision in October, uh, but he, he might bump that up. It's, he's just kind of waiting on that gut feeling is what he said, mm-hmm. which um, I think, you know, um, I think that's very smart. You know, I, I think that's a, a very good uh, way to make a decision. So uh, yeah. not that it matters what I think he's going to do whatever he wants either way, but um I, I think that Georgia still feels like the destination there today. Um, God knows we're, we're talking about 16, 17, 18 year old kids. Anything can happen. Um, but I, I think that uh, we will most likely see him committed to Georgia before uh, I think before the end of September. Um, yeah. And maybe, maybe as soon as, you know, within the next month. I agree. And and I would say if you look toward that 2024 class for Georgia, and I know that's hard, you know, we still have a 2022 football season to be played. Then you have 2023 20, recruits to commit and sign, and then they play 2023. So it, it feels like a very long way away, but that 2024 class uh, has some studs. And if you can get a, a quarterback like Julian Sayan, who is legit um, the, 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 a a legit top three quarterback in that class. And you can make the case that he's, he's the number one or number two. Um, 
then I think you can get a lot of those those studs in that 2024 class to come with them as well, too. Um, sure. All right. So uh, dogcentral.com. We're here every Thursday night answering questions. We also have some podcasts and shows that we push out. Um, we also have partner podcasts like 100 Sanford that Graham is a co-host on that that launched their second season this week um, with George Foster, uh, former dog George Foster as a co-host. We have My Got a Podcast who uh, launched their uh, new season this week. I was on that one. It's very long, but it was very fun. We delve, dove into a lot of uh, fun, fun conversation. Um, so come to dogcentral.com, join us, subscribe. It's really, really cheap. Thirty-three eighteen for the first six months, which is five dollars and fifty something cents a month. Um, I went to Starbucks um, today because I was wanting a fancy coffee, and I got a grande hazelnut latte with two pumps of hazelnut. And it cost me it more than five dollars. Cost more than a month at Dog Central. Ab- yep. Absolutely, it costs more than a month at Dog Central. So, uh, come subscribe. Um, we're excited to keep pushing out content. A lot of new features are going to be rolling on the site as well. So we're glad yeah. for y'all uh, joining us tonight, and glad for y'all being along for the ride. Anything else, Graham? Before we get out of here? Uh, no, sir. Uh, just uh, echoing what you said please come check out the website. Uh, we got a lot of exciting stuff going on and uh, we'll have even more going on uh, when fall camp starts on August 4th. But by that time, you probably won't be able to get it six months for 3318. So if you sign up now for $33 and 18 cents, you get access all the way through, uh, <laughs> through the college football playoff. Right. So we, um, we, you know what we need? We need a monster. We need a monster truck <laughs> promo. Okay. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. We need 3318, 3318. We, we, <laughs> to, I don't know if we can really, afford that. Oh, we can. Someone, if you do monster, if you do monster truck promos, jump in my DMs because <laughs> I want to talk to you about a dog central promo. Um, no, I, I'm kidding. It, I, 3318. Come join us. It really is a good deal. And um, you you will be pleasantly surprised with the information that's going to be flowing over the next few months. You know what we can't afford? We could probably – remember that guy uh, who went viral on the internet for uh, – it was like the week after Georgia beat Oklahoma in the uh, Rose Bowl, <laughs> and he was just driving around all yeah. of Atlanta with a flat screen playing the TV. We could probably get yeah. somebody like that. Absolutely. We're going to – That yes. might be in the budget. Yes, if you have a truck that can hold a flat screen on the back and are willing to drive around Atlanta with uh <laughs> we got to get out of here. We're we're just messing around at this point. But yeah, thank y'all for joining us. Had a great time. Uh thanks for the questions and we'll see y'all uh on dogcentral.com or on the Twitters. Um come follow us and and uh let's have a great time. Absolutely. See ya. See ya. <laughs>